Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dove and Rose podcast. I am Walter Emerson. And one more reminder for our listeners who uh, were used to this being the Royaume France podcast. The name has changed, and I have kind of renamed the Dove and Rose. So I hope you'll, uh, it's going to be the same material. We're going to keep moving on the trail of the Dogmatic Creed with St. Joan and St. Therese, but you'll see it under a different name. So let's talk a little bit about phenomenology. Um, if you've been kind of keeping up with the series, you will know that the last time I kind of got through the, the, the metaphysics that came that became important and that came to the forefront when I had this, this moment with St. Joan of Arc, the phenomenon of St. Joan of Arc. In 2008, there was a moment, it was a phenomenological moment, it was a moment of uh, unreflective certainty, as I referred to, a divine glance in Theresian terms, whereby Joan of Arc became really the, the, the focal point of my intentionality as it related to faithfully pursuing the teachings of the church and faithfully pursuing the grace that our Lord was giving to us. So the center of our faith, of course, is Jesus Christ and the Holy Trinity, but Joan of Arc became the, the central point of my intentionality as that means by which the Lord and Our Lady wanted me to pursue uh, my salvation, uh, of which I make no presumption uh, about that, but it was the path they wanted me to follow, and this is the trail of the dogmatic creed with St. Joan and St. Uh, Therese. And so I, I got us up last time to talking about the uh, what I refer to as the Platonic orientation, um, and, and really the Platonic orientation in the, in the way that the early church fathers like Augustine uh, really, really saw it was, you know, not not Plato's separate, in, you know, area of forms out there, but really, in in a, in a sense, the mind of God, what God gives to us, and those those perfect forms of truth, beauty, and goodness that are in the mind of of God. And so, I made the point at the end of that last one that I had bumped up against truth, beauty, and goodness in this journey, and. Um, and, and really was confronted by that in this phenomenological moment. And so I, I made sort of this important uh, statement about the fact that, you know, what I discovered was rather than me trying to figure out what was going on and, and what truth was, it was really more the other way around, that truth had presented itself to me and I was needing to conform myself to that. Now, that's that's an important segue then into the notion of phenomenology because, you know, the metaphysics, and, and there are two things that uh, probably no one can agree on the definition of. And if you, look on the, if you look on the internet, no one can agree. One of them is what is metaphysics, and the other one is what is phenomenology. So if you go to the Stanford uh, Library of Philosophy that's out there, look up metaphysics, you know, that's what they'll say is it's complicated. We're not sure anyone really knows how to define it these days. Uh, but one thing they do, uh, we tend to think of think of metaphysics as just sort of that transcendent above us, you know, God, spirituality. And, and there certainly is an element, but I think I like the way that the Stanford uh, the, uh, 
encyclopedia really puts it, which is ultimately it's about those things that are unchanging. It's those things that are permanent, those things that, that don't change, uh, like truth, beauty, and goodness, you know, versus those that do. So there's, there's always a lot of controversy around that. But, when, but I, hopefully when I say Catholic metaphysics, we know what we're talking about. We're talking about the scholasticism of Thomas Aquinas. We're talking about, you know, all the teachings of the great saints and, and, and Augustine. And so I, I kind of, now here's the, here was the, the problem, and, and this is where Edith Stein helped me move into the phenomen, phenomenology, was the fact that, you know, in, in my world, I, I always had, there were always great ideas. Like I would think of all these, but I could never conform. There was, it didn't seem like the power. I was just, I, I had this deep, deep desire, this, this kind of a suffering pain in a certain way of wanting to conform myself to truth, beauty, and goodness, but but just never, you know, knowing how to do that. It was always just wonderful ideas that when I went through my life and went around, I just, I couldn't make a connection between my life and those wonderful ideas. And this is where Edith Stein stepped in to help me with phenomenology. And, and, and again, I want to emphasize this is only through grace. What I really, what I, what I'm trying to present here is what I think is a very basic model that anyone can kind of engage in. This is not some special. So we're staying away from any idea of Gnosticism, of, of secret knowledge or anything like that. This is all about the public revelation of the church and engaging in that public revelation. We're not talking about particularly, you know, we're not talking about some Pelagianism where we're going to, on our own, we're going to investigate these things. No, not at all. We're relying on the grace of God. So this is all fundamentally based on the grace of God. And I mentioned, you know, in, in past seasons, and I need to reiterate that again, that, you know, we really can't do this unless we're living a sacramental life. You know, confession, mass, Eucharistic adoration, complete and total devotion and consecration to the Blessed Virgin Mary. So it, it's a life of grace, but I'm just saying that for all of us ordinary people um, who aren't, don't have all these sort of mystical experiences, that this is a great path. So I felt like what the, the Lord and Our Lady was saying was, you know, you've received the healing that you've received. Now here is your, here's your journey. Here's the path of your journey to where we want you to go. And it was through the heart of St. Joan of Arc. And clearly, and, and as I understood it, through the heart of St. Therese of Lisieux. So now I'm kind of trying to figure out how to connect this. So I, I kind of received this new way of thinking. St. Joan turned my glasses around, as I said before. But now I have this, this uh, need to kind of connect this burning desire to, to connect it to my, to my real life. And that's where phenomenology came in. Now, I have on my Substack site, I've written something called What is Phenomenology? So again, you'll never find, I don't think you'll find one definition <laughs> of what, what it is. You'll find a lot of things. And, and I've written something that I believe in my heart represents, you know, faithfully the key uh, uh, tenets, having studied uh, Edith Stein and, and other phenomenologists and talked to, and listened to a lot of things. And so, and then put it with my experience. And so I, I really want to read this real quick and then come back to it because this is going to form the foundation of what we're doing going forward. 
And so what I wrote is, phenomenology is about receiving others and the world around us as they desire to be received. Receiving others involves empathy. Receiving the world involves openness, honesty, and a sense of discovery. Phenomenology receives who and what is given by setting aside one's preconceived conclusions and judgments. It frees us from closed ideologies and opens us to possibilities. It seeks truth as truth gives itself. Phenomenology is a gift to our Catholic faith when integrated with metaphysics. This is precisely the gift St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, Edith Stein, brought to us as the future saint and patroness of Europe. <clears throat> Excuse me. Edith Stein was modern without being a modernist. By reconciling her background in modern phenomenology with medieval Thomas scholasticism, our Catholic metaphysics are transcendent. Phenomenology opens us to being transcendent. We are drawn to truth, beauty, and goodness by receiving these heavenly forms as God desires that we receive them. Rather than demand that heaven proves itself to us, we allow heaven to show itself to us that we might journey toward our homeland. The metaphysics, magisterial teachings, and lives of the saints form the guardrails that allow us to travel safely on our way of discovery in the company of these saints. Receiving a person or entity in the way it gives itself is what we call phenomenological lived experience. In this way, phenomenology makes truth more accessible to our consciousness and then constructs meaningful relationships among these phenomenological lived experiences. It helps us make logical inferences about how our lived experience correlates to what we know. Phenomenology harmonizes the principles governing these emerging self-evident truths in our lives and guides us as we attempt to make sense of our experiences. Phenomenological devotion more specifically focuses on receiving the self-evident truths revealed to us by divine providence in our contemplative lives and harmonizes their governing principles with metaphysics in a hermeneutic that clarifies their meaning and purpose. It helps us make sense of the truths revealed to us. Most importantly, phenomenological devotion opens us to receive and then share God's love. Phenomenological devotion begins with a point of inquiry. That point of inquiry given to me was St. Joan of Arc, as revealed through the heart and Jehanian hermeneutic of St. Therese. St. Joan of Arc is the dove. St. Therese is the rose. And that's what I wrote about phenomenology. Now, I also put down here, and I highly encourage you, would you like to learn more about phenomenology in the context of our Catholic faith? I highly recommend the works by Dr. Donald Wallenfang. Uh, I've got a link to a book of his on my website, on the, uh, the uh, post about phenomenology, about his basic introduction, and also his work at... Uh, uh, a website, myinteriorcastle.com, uh, where you'll find his work. I highly recommend, as, as well as reading the, the works of, of, of St. Edith Stein. So, you know, that was really kind of the best way I could describe uh, phenomenology. Now, here's the important thing. Now, you catch in there that there's this need to sort of connect with what it is we're receiving. You know, so I had received 
you know, St. Joan of Arc, I'd received sort of this, this phenomenon and it turned my glasses around and I understood it through the metaphysics of the church in a particular way that gave me a different orientation. And, um, I, you know, I say a more platonic orientation. And that's why you see in, in my earlier writings about meta metaphysics, the experience of St. Joan I had in terms of the teachings of the church and metaphysics, you see me really heavily oriented toward a platonic uh, type of, um, uh, type of, of, of orientation. And, but now that we're moving into phenomenology, I said the key was how do I connect my life with that? You know, how, how, do, I, how do I make it become reality? How do, so now the real question is, how do I receive it as it desires to be received? That is really, the, that was what was obstructing me all through my life was, have these wonderful ideas, these wonderful concepts, these wonderful inspirations, and they never seem to go anywhere in my life because where do they get trapped? They get trapped in my head. And, you know, working sort of under that Cartesian model that we've been trained in the modern world, you know, that Descartes introduced where, you know, there's a separation between us as subjects and the world as objects and, and his methodical doubt, right? And you, you, we, we don't really know. We can't really trust what we see. We have to kind of figure things out. So we bring this data into our minds. And in the theater of our own mind, we have to figure out, you know, what these, these truths are. I mean, that's pretty much fundamental to our world today. That works very well in a scientific world, um, you know, but it's really is what's opened the door for us to be engulfed in scientism, and this, this sort of idea that I have to sort of be the scientist that puts all this data together that I receive from the world. Well, that was always blocking me from understanding how to receive. And so the, 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 the thing that Edith Stein opened for me uh, through phenomenology was the idea of receiving. How do I simply receive what was given to me? Well, in order to receive it, it, it's, it sounds similar, but it's fundamentally very different. It is not just subjectively kind of deciding my own reality and, and what I mean. That, in fact, it's the opposite of that. If you read the you know, phenomenologist, and, and which you know, eventually you kind of have to, but even those that had no religious orientation at all, the, the key leaders like... Uh, Edith Stein's mentor, Edmund Husserl, her, uh, uh, her contemporary, Martin Heidegger, uh, later uh, Maurice Merleau-Ponty, other sort of phenomenologists who really had no emphasis on any metaphysics, particular metaphysics, and certainly not Catholic. But all of them have one thing in common, and that was their desire to, their, their chief antagonist tended to be Descartes because they were really saying the opposite, that it's not this sort of thing where I can look out in the world and then bring it in my head and think about it, try to decide what I think reality is. It was more like reality is out there. How do I receive it? Am I observant? Am I opening myself up to the reality that is, is the world? Very, very different, very opposite sort of, um, of approach. And so my real quest 
was, okay, it's one thing for me to think about, you know, what, what, what do I think in my ideas about this experience with St. Joan of Arc? That's not really what I was after. What I was after was a desire to receive it. I had this great desire, whatever it is, to, to receive it, e- even if I need to change my way of thinking. So long as it's within the bounds of the dogmatic creed, it's got to be within the bounds of the context of the church and the teaching, the magisterial teachings and the metaphysics. But as long as I'm on that trail with those guardrails, I'm not interested in my way of conceiving it anymore. I want to receive it. I want to take in what was given to me. And that was the, the, you know, the phenomenological uh, approach that I ended up having to do a lot of reading of, of, of Edith Stein's. And then, of course, from uh, reading her, I naturally had to expand into looking at the other phenomenologists like Kusterl, Heidegger, Merleau-Ponty, and there's, there are a number of others out there. And always realizing that, um, that as, as, as uh, William Richardson said in his book on Heidegger, he was a Jesuit uh, a priest and, and head of philosophy at uh, Boston, I believe at Boston College. But in his book, you know, he he would and in a video I saw he was he was asked about you know why he studied people like say Heidegger or whatever who weren't really Catholic. And he's he said something I think is very profound for us. Is he said I I he said I it, it when I see people like that I sense they're onto something, and I study to see what they're onto within their limitations. And I think it's a good way to approach is to know that many of these people we study have significant limitations as far as we're concerned as Catholics, but in many ways they're onto something. And for me, just what they were onto was breaking me free of the Cartesian theater of my mind. That's what they were, that's what I could appreciate in all these phenomenologists, whether they were the Catholic or not. Now, how do I make sure I stay within the bounds of the dogmatic creed? Well, I, I hold Edith Stein's hand. She's really my guide. She's the one I've got to kind of focus back into as, um, you, know, in, you know, as I go out and I see what these other phenomenologists are onto and I get benefit from what they're saying in terms of how they're overcoming this Cartesian, me being trapped in my own mind, that I've got to kind of funnel that back through Edith Stein and back into the, back into the church. But, you know, that, that was fundamentally the, the big uh, question, was now that I have this new orientation and I, I have these this wonderful ideas and I can see the concepts of the metaphysics of the church, how do I, how do I receive them as opposed to just sit around and think about them? And wonder why my life, you know, why my life is so much not truth, beauty, and goodness, but I'm really attracted to the idea of truth, beauty, and goodness. And the problem was I was trying to figure out things when all I needed to do was receive truth, beauty, and goodness. And that process began then with the, you know, the steps of moving beyond descriptive phenomenology, and then starting to put together associations. So I started making associations. I started, for, for me, it was, an, it was all an act. It was the, the, the physical, mental, uh, spiritual, intellectual movement 
of pursuing this with St. Joan. How do you pursue it? Well, you, 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 you write and then you, you contemplate. And with the grace of God, you, you put together, there's certain meanings. And here's something that was very meaningful. Here's something, when I put it together, it actually in sort of a, of, of a gestalt fashion, a picture forms. You know, uh, you know, you, we've all done the little thing where you draw the little, you, you, you draw, uh, you have a bunch of dots and they're all numbered and you draw from one to two and two to three and all that. And then you, you draw them out and then you see when you finish drawing, there's, it's a duck or something like that. That's what we call a gestalt is when you take these individual disparate points and you, you tie them together and all of a sudden you see a picture. It's a duck. And that's what I mean by gestalt is that you start putting together these, these points of meaning as we're, we're journeying and contemplating and, 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 and studying the life of St. Joan and uh, uh, asking the grace of God and, and you know, doing our sacramental life. And all of a sudden, we're, 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 we've got moments of meaning. That's that map of meaning I was talking about. But it doesn't end at the map of meaning because then you start seeing associations between those points of meaning. And so you kind of like that, that, that picture. You start drawing the line and you go, wait a minute. When I, when I tie these together, when I draw a line, there, there's actually a bigger picture. And that's that gestalt picture. And all of a sudden, you have this whole new sense of meaning, and and it's that it's that sense of meaning that continues to draw me toward, you know, the heart of Saint Joan and what she's trying to tell me, what God's trying to tell me through the heart of Our Lady and Saint Joan. It's that that meaning is what continues to draw me, and that that sense of of connecting those dots, re- continuing to get a sense of meaning. And being drawn by that meaning toward the heart of Saint Joan of Arc was that that was the power, that was the receiving that I was missing before, you know. So I was I looked at it the other way. I was like, I'm I'm done with the way I think. <laughs> I've had plenty of the way I think. I know how that story ends. And so why don't we sort of be willing? Are we willing to abandon many of our cherished ideologies, many of our cherished beliefs, so long as we're within the context of the church and the teachings of the church? So we, we, we don't want to go anywhere outside the boundaries of the trail of the dogmatic creed. However, are we willing to rethink things? Or do we insist that we're going to take this and it's got to fit into the box that we've already created, you know. And that was where I used to be was I'll, I'll receive this. And then I've already got this box where there's, this, there's stuff I already know. And I'm going to have to fit it all together and what I already know. Well, what if we just sort of blew, blew that box apart? What if we abandon uh, or were willing to abandon certain cherished uh, viewpoints, certain cherished ideologies, and open ourselves to receiving uh, what this is. And for me, it was the, really the heart of St. Joan of Arc that I'm so devoted to today. And again, making sure that we're, we're not outside the context of the church. So this is really 
this is why I'm sharing this, <laughs> because it's literally life-changing. It, 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 it changed my life for sure. And, and it's something that's not, it's not some thing that's, it's just, I'm just this average guy and I'm just kind of rethinking things using the help of the, the, the teachings of the church and the help of uh, a great saint and a great philosopher like Edith Stein and, and where her path was. And so that's kind of where I'm going to end today. I hope that that gives you something to think about. And I will continue on this phenomenological journey with you in the next one. Thank you. God bless. We will see you next time. Bye-bye.